0: Regulator! Ah. I do ho friends and neighbors. It is regulator numero uno Waldo back with you here to wrap up the 2022 NFL season. Man, a lot to talk about. So Super Bowl obviously came and went, and there's a bunch to talk about as I get ready for a very well earned break, very short break, um, before we transition into something absolutely incredible that I'm excited about happening for the first time ever. We will have an announcement coming March 1st. That's all I can say for now. Um, You know, you're just going to have to wait, anticipate what is happening. But I am hyped. For the offseason. So, before we head into a new league year, um, you know, I I do need a little bit of a small break to recalibrate. But right now, I definitely want to talk about the Super Bowl, starting with, you know, our prop bets, which were (laughs) absolute mierda, dog shit. Um, We didn't have anything against the spread or straight up, you know, so we didn't have anything that we really expected. Uh, An automatic return on. Every bet that we had was long shots. We talked about that last week. We had a great year uh, for us, so we kind of wanted to have fun a little bit towards the end without completely blowing our wad. Um, So, for example, we had a seven-way parlay, a 10-way parlay. Um, All told, we only had five units bet, you know, across the board, and all five units are (sighs) gone in the wind, uh, much like the Eagles' Super Bowl hopes. But hopefully you guys did better than us, but overall, we still crushed it. Um, if you've been riding with us all year, we ended up at 98.7 units positive for the season, which is absolutely incredible. Anybody on our patreon page can tell you that we have posted every single fucking bet that we have had this entire year. Um, and you know, we've been keeping track of units up, units down. And to end up almost at 100 units, we were over 100 last week, um, but obviously minus the losses we took during the Super Bowl week. But 98.7, you know, you're talking about 99 units up is just incredible. That means if you were a $10 better, if you put $10 on your average bets, you'd be up $980 this season. And obviously you can do the math on the rest. So it was a great season for us, easily our most successful year ever from a unit standpoint. Um the bar has been set really really high and honestly if i do half of that number next year i will be more than ecstatic and permanently think about uh moving to vegas or something um but you know sometimes obviously luck has to play a part of it so as much as i think i'm pretty hot shit at a lot of things at in, in no way do i think i'm the best gambler or handicapper in the world um but you know it just it played out really well for us uh, this season, so hopefully you were betting with us, you made some money with us, and had some fun during the season. Now, in the meantime, you know that we are about the culture here, and we love to give things away. So we have this box of Don Russ Elite sealed uh, NFL trading cards that we are giving away. I appreciate. Everybody who entered on Twitter, we keep telling you guys, at RegulatorsPod is where it is, so tell your fucking friends. Um, This afternoon, I finished compiling all 200 some odd names that we put into the rando wheel, and uh, it spat out a username, so congrats to at FooHalen1, F-O-O-H-A-L-E-N-1, I assume a Van Halen fan, um, and hopefully a football fan too. Uh, We got a card pack headed your way, um, thanks to everybody who entered, and I would love your guys' suggestions for what you want us to give away next. Do you want cash? I'll do it. Do you want jerseys? We've done it. We've done cash, we've done jerseys, we've done autographs. People actually love the Funko Pops, especially the NFL Funko Pops. It's crazy, but honestly, that is usually our most entered contest. Every time we do it, for whatever reason, people just love the shit out of those things, so I'm happy to give... A bunch more of those away, or again, you know, autographs, cash, you name it, uh, hit us up on Twitter and let us know. Maybe you have a completely different idea that we haven't thought of yet. I'm open for it. Um, if you got something you think we should give away, then by all means hit us up. Now, obviously, the day after the Super Bowl, we know all anyone ever wants to talk about is controversy. And I want to start by saying, you know, yes, it is sad that on a third down stop at the end of the game, a foul was called for a defensive holding that solidified the win for Kansas City. Yes, that's sad. Yes, it sucks, but not for the reasons that most people on Twitter would have you believe that it sucks. So the Eagles got away with a blatant call earlier in the game against the Chiefs, and the point isn't to say, well, the Chiefs, You know, didn't get the call to go their way, so they should get the makeup call later. That's not even what I'm trying to emphasize to you. The point is that the real tragedy is that there is no consistency. I have watched wide receivers get prison shanked running down the field this season with no flags at an alarming rate. Everyone is grabbing, pulling, tugging, but if you're going to let them play, Unless it's super egregious or completely affects the play, if you're going to let them play, then you have to let them play. You can't wait till the most crucial point in the game to go buy the book because, yes, it is a foul. The defender even admitted so after the game and said, yep, it was a foul. The film shows us that it was a foul. So that's not an argument. Now, is it ticky tacky? On a ball that was 30 feet over the guy's head with the game on the line? Of course it is. So again, it's not the that it's the wrong call. Because it's not. It's a shit call because you let way more than that slide over and over again in the same game. And then at the end of the game, you want to call that. Now, Kurt Warner was taught, and this isn't to throw shade at Kurt Warner. I have no beef with C- Kurt Warner at all. Um, but, you know, he was the person who tweeted this out and was talking about how um, people are saying that the refs should have been aware of where the game was at and what stage of the game. And he says, you know, you guys have no idea what refs have to do on every given play and the things that they're responsible for. They're outnumbered by the players and the things they have to watch. And like, I will give him half of that argument because we've talked about that on this podcast like, I would never want to be a ref to have seven guys responsible for 22 players that are all moving at high speed and line of scrimmage, ball, feet, hands, etc. Watching each guy, like, there's a lot. And plays are going to get missed, things are going to happen, like, so I get all of that. But what he loses me is the, well, the ref should have an idea of, like, where the game is at and should be paying attention to, like, okay, it's do or die time, maybe, you know, make sure something's egregious. Before we call it, like that, that's too much to ask of the rest. Now, this is where I will disagree, and let me tell you why. And I responded to Kurt and said the same. You tell me that a quarterback is supposed to know at the end of the game what's the down and distance, where do I need to get the ball, how many timeouts do we have, what. Is left on the play clock. I gotta get the ball off. I gotta know where that first down marker is. I gotta make sure I put the ball somewhere, etc. etc. And I gotta know that we gotta get up to the line and we gotta spike it. Or I gotta know that you know I only have time for two plays left. I gotta know that I can't take a sack. I have to be cognizant of all of these things and be aware of what stage of the game it is when I'm making certain decisions. But a referee who's fully trained to essentially do one job can't realize. It's 2 minutes left in the game. I better, you know, make sure that if I'm going to call something that will impact the biggest game on the biggest stage, that, you know, it has to be something, you know, egregious. Um, yeah, I I do expect that out of the refs because that's that's completely fair to ask, especially given everything that I just mentioned. Um, but it should be the other way around from you know, just letting things slide over and over again. And then at the end of the game, you want to call that penalty. Um, The same way that no one calls P.I. on a Hail Mary. If the game is on the line, you better be absolutely sure that this guy inhibited the player's ability to go get the ball as much or more as the defenders for both teams did all game without incident. So it's just sad in that Aspect of it. I think we all wanted to see things play out. Casey was not completing that pass. They would have kicked a field goal, um, given the Eagles two minutes to go down the field and tie or win the game. So, again, it's not that anybody's upset that, you know, outside of Eagles and Chiefs fans that one team lost or the other. It's that it came down to that. That's how we decided the game, especially when. Again, we talk about the consistency of those calls. For such an incredible game to basically end through a penalty that had no bearing on the outcome of whether or not a play gets a first down, it just sucks. Like, as fans, we feel kind of shorted, right? It's not collusion. It's not all this. It, It just sucks. So, and, you know, while we are on the refs, it's still obvious that no one knows what a catch is. No one has a fucking clue what a catch is. And I watched on Twitter live as everybody argued both sides of every single catch or non-catch, and it's just ridiculous. No no one knows what a fucking catch is. Um, we thought they fixed it when they said, okay, now it's just going to be two feet and a football move, but now we're arguing over what a football move is. If a player catches the ball and turns upfield, is that a football move? And if so... How many seconds does he need to turn upfield? What if he turns and is immediately blasted? What if he turns and gets a half a second or a second upfield and then is blasted? Like there's too much subjectivity. Like for me, give me two feet and a purposeful move. That's all I need to see. It needs to be a purposeful move. Just like the arm coming forward on a pass. If it even starts to move forward with control, that's an incomplete pass. If a player catches the ball, to me, both feet and starts to intentionally move or lean upfield, this is a catch and any loss of control after the fact is a fumble. And, you know, we obviously almost had two fumble returns for a touchdown in that game, which would have been wild, which by the way, do you know what they call that? A fumble and return for a touchdown is called a fart. So we almost had two farts in the same game. And by the way, if you get to three farts, that is what's known as a Dutch oven. But back to the whole fumble issue and the foot control, all of this stuff, you know, the control through the ground thing is also bullshit to me as well. And here's why. The only time control through the ground should matter is when you possess the ball with no feet down. What I mean by that is if you go up, you high point the ball, and then you land back in the field of play, going to the ground, you must hold on to the football. But if you are running at breakneck speed across the field and catch the ball with both feet down and on your way out of bounds, you eat shit and the ball rolls out of your hand on the ground, to me that's still a catch. And refer back to my previous statement, two feet and a purposeful move. You want to know why this is the only way to do this? Because if I'm running with the ball and I trip as I'm falling, I stretch out across the goal line and then a defender swats the ball out of my hands immediately after I cross. While it's still a touchdown, the second that that tip of that ball crosses, the white, I score, it doesn't matter if I lose control after that and I haven't even made it to the ground yet. I haven't, I'm tripping, I'm falling, but I haven't even made it to the ground yet. But if I hit that white, that's it. It's touchdown, it's over. So why would we have a different set of rules in the field of play? Also, in the field of play, the ground can't cause a fumble. So if I trip, and as I'm landing, the ball hits the field and bounces up, that's not a fumble. So the ground can't cause a fumble but it can cause an incomplete pass. Explain how that makes sense. If the ball pops up after I caught it with two feet down, how can it be an incompletion if it can't be a fumble if I had three steps? If I was a runner in the field of play, it would be down by contact. Stop making this shit harder than it has to be. Additionally, let's learn from the XFL. Put the eye in the sky booth in and make one highly trained person in charge and have a camera in there where we get full transparency and can see and hear the conversations. The XFL did this chef's kiss. It was fantastic. And the NFL not adopting this is the most insane, offensive, ludicrous fucking thing that I've ever seen for a multi-billion dollar organization. Now, I've spent way too much time talking about the refs, so let's talk about the actual game. But never without a drink. Ah, Regardless of what you think about the referees, there were shit calls made and not made for both teams, and the refs are also not the reason the Eagles lost or the Chiefs won. A fumble return for a touchdown is why the Eagles lost. Allowing a monster punt return down to the five is why the Eagles lost. Not being able to get Miles Sanders established is why they lost. Seven carries for 16 yards for one of the most dynamic rushers in the fucking game. That's why you lost. The Eagles had trouble in clutch moments for Spagnolo's exotic defense and scheme. The Eagles not being able to stop the Chiefs' run game is why you lost. But having said all of that, let's give Jalen Hurts his flowers. I know he can buy them himself, but let's give them to him anyway. Over 300 yards passing, another 70 on the ground, four touchdowns, no interceptions. And I see people on Twitter trying to clown this guy. At douchebag von fuckface and at has little penis are saying things like, Hurts isn't even top 20. He's a mid-quarterback propped up by All-Stars. These are like direct quotes, and I could go on and on and on. Like, what game did you watch? Patrick Mahomes had 182 yards and was the Super Bowl MVP. Hertz had almost 400 with four touchdowns, and you think he's not top 20? You don't think he's an elite quarterback? Like, you're a fucking meth head, and the hot dose is coming for you. People are such pieces of shit when it comes to this sport. And honestly, it just takes away from how beautiful and amazing this game is and some of the community that's built around this sport. Like, listen, pal, we get it. You woke up this morning filled with rage because daddy never hugged you because your shitty life choices have led you to a dead-end job and a loveless marriage. But don't take that out on other people, man. Act like a fucking human being. Take some accountability for your own actions, and leave the rest of us alone. Now to the Chiefs. They are who we thought they were. Mahomes has two Super Bowls in just five years, a handful of records, and just keeps getting better. Andy Reid and Eric bien are offensive nightmares. They literally pulled the ring around the rosy shit in the fucking Super Bowl. Additionally, congrats to Kadarius Tony. We really liked him coming out of UF. The Giants moved on from him rather quickly, and in my opinion, he was the real MVP of the Super Bowl. He had the receiving touchdown. He had the punt return that the Chiefs uh, put the Chiefs at the goal line late in the game. The biggest achievement, though, that will not get talked about is something that will have huge ramifications across the league for people like Lamar Jackson and other quarterbacks. Prior to Sunday's game, no quarterback in NFL history has won a Super Bowl while making more than 13% of the cap. It has never happened. Stafford, Brady, Rodgers, Manning, Brees, all these guys won under that amount because it was imperative to having enough money to keep other talent around. More than half of Super Bowl winners have spent less than 7% of their cap on the starting quarterback. As an example, Jalen Hurts made less than 1% of the Eagles' cap this season. Less than 1%. Patrick Mahomes, though, who wasn't supposed to hit big money until even next year, but due to restructures and converted bonuses, yada yada, his cap number for this season ended up being 17.2% of the cap, Almost a fifth of your cap going to one guy, and they broke the goddamn model. That's how good Andy Reid is. That's how good GM Brett Veach is, and everyone in Kansas City. They did something no team in NFL history has done. They paid a quarterback more than 13% of the cap, and they won the whole damn thing, hoisted the fucking Lombardi. Now, obviously, doing something one time doesn't mean it should be the new blueprint. They obviously let Tyreek Hill and other players go that could have benefited their team. Their defense went from 8th in points allowed last year to 16th in points allowed this year. But this was the hill that I always said I would die on. Don't go past the magic number. If the goats don't do it and they know what the number is, don't go past it. And I still believe in it. You can pay your talented quarterback, and you can do it in smart ways, which overall, the way Mahomes' contract is written is a work of art. It's very team-friendly. There's a lot of stuff in there. But again, they've already restructured it twice. They keep pushing a lot of money towards the front of it, um, you know, way earlier than the money really had to be. Either way, they broke the model, which means other quarterbacks can now point to Deshaun Watson money and say, see... It's not that crazy that I should make one fifth of your salary, you know, one out of 53 players. So that's the real reason yesterday was bittersweet for me because I love numbers and probabilities. And the numbers said before Sunday that if you pay your quarterback more than 13% of the cap, you will not win the Super Bowl. Today, the numbers say you might. You just might. I know it's only one time. But that definitely won't stop at shit for brains four twenty from claiming the salary cap isn't real, give the quarterback a bajillion dollars. And for that I am sad. Other people who should be sad is the folks who were in charge of the fucking field for Sunday. It was reported the NFL spent eight hundred thousand dollars in two years growing the specific grass and prepping it for the Super Bowl. Well, you might want a refund, because people were slipping all over the goddamn place, and it was an embarrassment for an organization led by 32 billionaires to have that be the result on the biggest stage in the world. While we're on the topic of stages, I definitely felt underwhelmed by the Super Bowl halftime show, and that is no disrespect to Miss Riri. She slayed. I think Rihanna killed it. She has banger after banger. They were great songs. She's an awesome entertainer. But it just felt lackluster. It opened up strong with her pregnant ass floating above the stadium like a trapeze artist. um, Thought it was going to go somewhere good. But then she just kind of went into each song. And there were sometimes dramatic pauses like you were waiting for Jay-Z or someone else to show up. And we're so used to all these other artists showing up that I thought at the very least we'd get Tom Holland in the rain for Umbrella. But no such luck. And again, I want to be clear, Rihanna killed it. She fucking killed it, and she had to spend her own money to put that show on, which the NFL is sus for, but from a selfish patron at home, I think about last year. We had Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, and his piano coming up from the platform, 50 Cent hanging upside down, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, lowriders driving through the fucking field like it was a goddamn spectacle. And yes, Of course, those artists are more nostalgic to me. But even when I look back at past Super Bowls with Katy Perry or the Black Eyed Peas, um, you know, where they had the outfits with the lasers, which I still think was one of the coolest shows that I've ever seen. There were no wardrobe changes for Rihanna, um, not even for her dancers. And it just felt meh to me, as did most of the commercials. E-Trade Baby is back. We saw a bunch of celebrities drinking canned Bud Light and wearing Skechers like normal blue-collared people. Um, Gronk kicked a field goal. In general, like nothing spectacular outside of the makeup job and morphine regimen. I'm sure they had to give John Travolta. Um, But outside of that, where is the effort? And don't get me started on how they let Serena Williams, who I have all the respect for in the world, just completely... Butcher the speech from any given Sunday. You would have been better to let Al Pacino pretend to be a professional tennis player in a commercial. That might have been funny. Because that's gonna make the fucking difference between winning and losing, between living and dying. In any fight, it's the guy who's willing to die who's gonna win that inch. Well, my friends, I'm still willing to fight and die for that inch. And so I hope you stick around for what we have coming up. It's going to be a hell of a ride this offseason. I am so fucking excited. Get ready for March 1st. A lot of fun shit coming. Hit us up on Twitter at RegulatorsPod. I love you all. Let's go get this fucking bag. We'll talk soon.